Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. All right, this is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Laugh Podcast. Over there is Ryan Bull. I'm Richard Luskin. We're your host for episode 188 of Ben Affleck's new movie, The Accountant. This is uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, who did, I think, Miracle, but the did he do the History of Violence? Or no, Warrior. Warrior, uh, the MMA movie with Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy. The movie that started the year for us this year, Jane Got a Gun. Mm-hmm. Hideous disappointment, that one. Uh, this is written by Bill Dubuque, who wrote the movie The Judge and The Headhunter's Calling. He likes titles with the in it. Mm-hmm. So, big into that. That second film you mentioned, that's set to be released here in the next couple months, right? Um, this I do not have in my notes, but I'll defer to you for that. Yeah. Because I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, yeah, I think Gerard Butler is starring in that one. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Um, it's a movie about a, uh Aspergery mathematics savant that tur- turns assassin. You're different. Sooner or later, different scares people. You think if you don't fight back, then maybe they'll like you. Stop picking on you, calling you a freak. Victim or not, make a decision. Your son is a remarkable young man. It wouldn't surprise me if he has more in common with Einstein, Mozart, and Picasso than he does with us. highly advanced cognitive skills. The obsessive personality. Can our son lead a normal life? Define normal. Uh, A freelance accountant for dangerous criminals. And it has a compelling B story starring J.K. Simmons as a treasury agent. Hot on his heels. Attempting to uh, find this guy. Trying to chase him down, figure out what what this guy is all about. Also stars Anna Kendrick as his, the accountant's sort of uh, girlfriend kind of thing. Eh, Love interest, Mm -hmm. as far as an Asperger-y person that hates people can be interested in love. Um, What was your take on Ben Affleck's The Account? I loved it. Oh, love. I was in it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. This is pure popcorn fare this is goodwill hunting meets john wick <laughs> i've heard other people say the same thing it's got a lot of good action in it i like the whole asperger's character for whatever reason i found it really interesting you know if you've is ever because you're sort of on the spectrum yourself the doctors have never confirmed that <laughs> okay as I, as I told my students earlier this week i have not been confirmed with any mental illness <laughs> no matter how many run in my family. No. Um, how many how many appointments I've had with psychiatrists? Yeah, no. Straight jackets. I, I enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, it's a fairly original premise. And I also liked that you had someone who had a handicap who wasn't handicapped by it. And if anything, he turned it into a strength. So this is kind of like the closest we have to an Asperger superhero. The autistic <laughs> hero. Autistic hero. Yeah. So, uh, wait, did he turn it into a strength? How do you say turn into a strength? He made it work for him. He was able to 
you know, beat up lots of people and using his job okay. to become the best in his field, all you know, all those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the film. There are definitely some plot holes I'm sure we'll get to later on and some issues, but overall I thought this was an enjoyable watch. What were your thoughts? I, I agree with you on the action-y part of it. Um, this is a better action movie than the other uh, movie with a, a, a superhero movie that Ben Affleck was in this year. Or Suicide Squad. Or, I guess, Batman versus Superman. He was in that, too. Was that this year or last year? Must have been last year. This was a better Batman movie than Batman versus Superman. That was earlier this year. Uh, I felt. Yeah, Vince Mancini of Uproth said that this movie has more franchise potential than Ben Affleck's other film this year, Batman v Superman. Oh, I believe that. Well, they're setting it up for um, franchise sort of uh, action hero stuff. I mean, there's a lot of backstories to different characters that you could get into. I don't know if I'd be interested in watching any of those, though. I don't, I don't know. There, there's way too much uh, lack of motivation that's clear-cut in this movie for me to give it a pass. And I, I'm not sure I can recommend it. There's a whole lot of talky-talky stuff and sort of circular weirdness that I thought the movie is trying to make me feel like I'm encountering an autistic person that doesn't know how to connect with me. And that's, I mean, I don't know if it's too meta or if they were actually going for it, but it worked if that's what they were going for, and I didn't make the connection with the movie. I did like the aspects of Ben, I mean, I liked Ben Affleck as this character, the accountant, but I just, I don't see that it's got a whole lot more interest in it, in it beyond what we saw. So, uh, a little, little, little less enthusiastic about it than you are. You wouldn't like to see a prequel, <laughs> see him become the accountant? This movie should have had more of that, but then it would have just made it longer and it would have still been, it, it wasn't pleasant. Arguably, those are the most convoluted parts of the plot. When when the father refuses to uh, let the psychiatrist help teach and uh, help through therapy his right. child, instead he brings his child to a martial arts expert and has right. him beat the crud out of the kid so that instead of learning to get along in society, he can just learn to fight back and punch society in the face. So, like the backstory <laughs> of, uh, of this... I mean, his dad being a psychological operative soldier makes sense in terms of where he where he winds up. But there's a lot of gaps in that backstory that um, I don't know they they didn't they didn't really go together well. Uh, there's key characters that are introduced and that show up later that um, the the tenuous connections are just they're too uh, they're they're too disconnected mm -hmm. to really make. A compelling film. Um, I'm kind of talking around it because I don't want to get into too. I don't want to be too spoilery with it, but there are things that happen at the end of the film that connect throughout the film that are just sort of ridiculous in terms of uh, where he stands as a character. Mm -hmm. I did like some of the other performances, but then I don't know really what's going on with most of these other characters. So it seems just too vague, too empty. Yeah, no, I, I thought, but overall I was pleased with the film. I was surprised the budget for this film was only $44 million. I thought they used the money very wisely. I didn't feel like they were cutting corners at any time during this. Yeah, I was surprised by that too, yeah, in a way. A variety of locations. When uh, you compare it to Jason Bourne, the last movie that we saw like this, that was a high-budget movie. Oh, Much yeah. higher than this, but at least 150 I think. 
maybe maybe a little less, or it's around that range. So, so for this to be less than fifty is surprising. Well, uh, filming on location can be really expensive. You know, Bourne had that huge action sequence in Las Vegas where right. they're going down the strip. You know, just permits alone are going to be outrageous, probably seven figures. So, you know, this movie was smart, and I think a lot of the action was captured in camera. I don't, I didn't notice a whole lot of CG. I didn't notice where they would be using a whole lot of like set extension type stuff. Right. I think you know they were filming on location, being smart with their set dressings, um, and, and even things like the character has like a Winnebago that he uses as a um, storage room mm-hmm. for all of his stuff. That's smart because even having to decorate that. There's not a whole lot. It's a Winnebago. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bat cave. There's very little wall space, and you know, and you've got cabinets and stuff already there, so you're not really having to add a whole lot. And that's an easy way to cut corners. Where if they showed them with some elaborate underground cavern, mm-hmm. that's just a whole lot more that then you have to go and decorate. Right. So I, I enjoyed all those. Um, what about the? What was the girl's name again? Anna Kendrick. Yeah, what was what was her performance for you? Because for me, I, it seemed like anybody could have fit into that role. And generally, I like her and stuff. But mm-hmm. it seems like this, she didn't really. She, she didn't, didn't really have a, make. Yeah, she didn't have a, a ton to offer. And if anything, I thought her character was lacking in personality. And she played a similar role a couple of years ago in the Ryan Reynolds film, The Voices, where I thought okay. her character had a whole lot more personality. And granted. There are some differences between those two films, but she's kind of befriending someone who is a bit odd, yeah, but and that, having to deal with the quirkiness. I forgot that she was in that movie, and that was that's a good example of how she can be endearing and someone that you want to see on screen. I think uh, those Barton Bella movies that she's in, mm-hmm. uh, Glee, not Glee, uh, uh, the singing Pitch movies. Perfect, yeah, yeah, Pitch Perfect. Those movies are actually compelling to watch because it. For her and for other reasons, but she's just an interesting actress, and it didn't bring it here. It just seemed like anybody could have been in that role. Well, she wasn't given a whole lot to do, and then the second half of the movie, she really stops even being yeah. a character. She's more of a MacGuffin. Yeah, as a way to talk through the plot and advance the plot. I mean, she's just there to ask questions. Well, how did that work? Well, what about that? What do you mean by that? Oh, you know, was, she's asking those type of questions. Uh, there was a lot of dialogue exposition in mm-hmm. this movie. One of my pet peeves. And it happened early and often, and that turns me off a lot. I don't mind it as much if it's, I mean, if, it, if I feel it's necessary, but sometimes it wasn't even necessary, and they're explaining things like, uh, we hired, or your <laughs> friend hired him to be the accountant for this intense firm that he was I mean, yeah, we know that. We've seen it all. We already saw it in pictures. We don't need to hear you talk about it. So th- those kinds of uh, redundancies sort of turned me off early. And if, you, if I get turned off early by a film, it's kind of hard to bring it back. All right. If you're Ben Affleck, why would you do this film? If you've just signed on to do Batman, I think this film was done in uh, early 2015. He'd already signed on to be Batman, was trained for that. Why do you then want to go and get another action-y, superhero-ish role? That this is possibly going to play a little too close to being another Batman-like character. Well, this this is a flippant response, but why not? I mean, Jason Bourne, you know, uh, that can. I mean, that's a franchise movie, and you can do. He's what now? This the fifth movie. Mm -hmm. He was in. He was in four of them. Uh, Matt Damon was in four of them. This has more 
potential of being like a James Bourne type movie. And I could actually see them doing a James Bourne, the accountant mashup. But do you want to keep doing these franchise films? Because Batman's going to keep them pretty busy. And uh, before my movie or before my showing of this, they showed Ben Affleck's next film, which he's directing, starring in uh, Live by Night. Yeah. And that looks awesome. Period piece. Period piece. But I mean, there's still action. You still get to do all that stuff, but it's a very different character, you know, showing range. I just see Ben Affleck at this point being so well respected as an actor, strangely enough, and a director, and knowing that you've got cash in the bank because you're Batman and there are going to be a bunch more Batman films and franchises for you to be a part of, why you go and do this film? I don't know. Granted, I like him in here. It's just, I don't see what the appeal is. I can see, I mean, there's a monetary appeal. There's also like, what are you going to do in the downtime? I mean, if that's what you do, if you're an actor, and this is the kind of thing you do. In this, he can sort of, like, sit back and just <coughs> act. He doesn't have to, or, you know, do action-y stuff. He doesn't have to pay attention to storyboards and scout locations and all <laughs> the things he has to do as a director. And I think that, I mean, I think it touches on other sides of his brain. Okay. Maybe he's intrigued by this character. Maybe it's a lot like himself. I don't know. Yeah. I, it works for him. I, I thought he was really good in the film. I liked him playing the part. I can't think of a lot of other actors I feel could carry this out and feel believable. Yeah. And, and I, it's I weird because Ben Affleck was such a bad action star early in his career with movies like Paycheck and Daredevil. Yeah, but was that his fault or were they just bad action movies? I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I know you're big into the director's cuts of things, but I, I hear the director's cut of Daredevil was actually not that bad of a movie. Yeah. But I've always liked Daredevil. I liked, I saw it when it came out and loved it. But you just use that as an example of him being a bad action movie because i feel our audience would agree with me on that <laughs> and the things i love about daredevil I don't know enough about it, are but... more the the villains michael clark duncan and colin farrell okay. uh and jennifer gardner as his love interest the ben affleck bits i thought were the weakest parts All right. but yeah is this a movie that he benefits from a good director i mean gavin o'connor is kind of been hit miss i mean miracle decent. was a good movie jane got the gun's not his fault I don't think. I don't blame him as much as just the story itself. Some of that Warrior I thought was good, but I don't know. He's made a great movie. And then apparently this movie was supposed to be released back in January. Actually, on the same day Jane Got a Gun got released, the 29th of January. And they pushed it all the way back to October, which is somewhat of a dumping ground for films. Yeah, I think that was a smart move, though. I mean, it's, I think it's paid off in the box office. It made, what, $25 million this this month or yeah. this weekend? Yeah, $25 million, a uh, little bit more overseas. And on a $44 million budget, I mean, this movie will end up clearing $80, $90,000,000. So it'll yeah, it turn a little profit. Get lost in the other stuff. And you have the chance at a franchise out of this? Well, and then any movie with J.K. Simmons in it, is going to get some consideration for awards, even if he's not. <laughs> I mean, even if he's not great, they, they, there's the off chance that he made a connection with some voter somewhere, some people that might nominate. I didn't think he was great, and I thought, I thought that the uh, the makeup <laughs> that they had him in at times was just kind of just ridiculous. But I I don't blame him for that. J.K. Simmons is always going to be awards bait from here on out. So I think this might. The fact that it's near award season might have something to do with it. It's like award season adjacent release. Mm-hmm. Whereas movies that come out in um March or yeah, for example, uh the the Cohen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar, like that's out of the public consciousness now. So it's gonna be hard for that to 
be up for many awards. Right. And which is odd because I think if it had come out in November, there'd be people considering it for certain things. There's a lot of strong performances in that movie. Oh yeah. Especially, I forget his name, but uh, one of the lead actors in Hail Caesar is going to be the new Luke Sky, or not Luke Skywalker. Um, uh, Ironreich, Alden Ironreich. Yeah, he's going to be the yeah, Harrison Ford character. Yeah, that's the same character. mistake I made before. Yeah. The um, Han Solo character. Right. Where if that had been announced ahead of Hail Caesar coming out, say Hail Caesar came out in November, a month from now, and we knew this guy was going to be the new Han Solo, the movie gets a whole lot more publicity. Yeah, but I think he got Han Solo because of yeah. that movie, so it's kind of like putting the putting the solo before the cart. Uh, the main problem, I guess, that I have with the film is not necessarily. You know, I like to nitpick. I'm not necessarily. I don't have to get into nitpicking, but I, I think that the the re, the mildly redemptive scenes of action were punctuated by huge chunks of meaningless conversation. They seem pointless and uninteresting to me, and I. I have to admit, I fell asleep. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> My dad was like, are you asleep? And I'm like, I think so. But I blame the movie for this. <laughs> and there, it wasn't during any of the action sequences because those were really good. When he's jumping onto trucks and shooting people from far away. Uh, cool stuff, man. I, I don't really like the self-flagellation and the, uh, you know, hitting himself over the shins with certain objects. I just thought that that yeah, was Yeah, I didn't kind of understand what was going on with the yeah. shin thing, causing him pain. I was waiting to hear that he had like a fake leg or something. No, I think they said in dialogue that he needed sensory inputs or something. They they talked about the variety of sensory, sensory inputs that he he re... Uh, and just like the, the touch through, sensation? Yeah, the whole touch sensation thing. And okay. So they're trying to touch on all of the different aspects of what it means to be a highly functional savant. Yeah, I just didn't understand why he was going after his shins with the rolling pin. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> that was one of the things I was trying not to spoil, <laughs> but that's fine. I think they show that in the trailer. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be attacking yourself. But I, also, I mean, that. is that really a plot point? I, I, it was It was interesting visually because I was like, yeah, that would hurt. Like, I'd never thought about hitting myself, like, rolling some, a dowel over my shin. But when you think about it, mm-hmm. that's pretty painful. But, and then when he s- smashes it over his shin, then that's really painful. But, yeah, but then just I was rolling thinking, it, pulling, pulling a dowel into your shin, ow. Isn't that like a training technique that they do for some martial arts to strengthen your shins? Well, you would know more on that than I would. I don't yeah, really I, see how you strengthen your shins by rolling. Oh, it's by, by up causing scar tissue? That and microfractures in your bones so that they heal and you get more calcium in your bones and your Ooh. bones become harder. All right. That, that's what that. I was thinking. I'm like, that. is this some sort of thing to just give him super strong loads? But then he never really like kicks much in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. Unless he's kicking in heads or something. But even um, He was doing a lot of like uh, grappling type moves, which are cool. And sometimes they can be shot poorly and it, and it makes for a horrible experience. I'm thinking of Child 44. Some of the fight sequences in that movie, along you know, a couple of years ago, made the the whole movie horrible just because they were hard to watch. But these fight sequences seemed, um, I don't know, they were more fluid, even compared to Jason Bourne. The F four mentioned Jason Bourne uh, close fight sequences were because they were punctuated by that quick editing style. Mm-hmm. This didn't have that, um, and so this was a more enjoyable film to watch during those action scenes. Well, apparently they were using the same fighting style that they use in the Raid films. 
okay. and and John Wick. So I, I think there is something to the fluidity of that fighting style that mixes strikes with grappling and throws that just lends itself to being very cinematic and you don't have to cut away as much. So, yeah. And, I mean, Ben Affleck, he's a big guy. And you could kind of see him getting bigger as the film went on. Like, there were definitely scenes where you're like, he's got 15, 20 pounds more muscle on him than he did in an earlier scene. I think he was training hard for uh, Super or Batman v Superman. Yeah, I don't know. And you could see him bulking up, kind of in the same way you could see him bulking up in Gone Girl. The weird thing is with the Batman versus Superman is he's wearing an outfit that can be sculpted to look like he's strong, you know, or bigger than he is. Whereas mm-hmm. in this, he has to just kind of be a big presence. So he's got those crazy arms. Maybe he wants they're short, to- but <laughs> no, they're short. They're powerful looking. They barely reach his waist. I know. <laughs> I I don't know if uh maybe that's maybe that gives some insight as into why he's doing this though. Because now he, he he's not a superhero character, he's a real dude, but he's bigger he's better than other real dudes, even though mm-hmm. he can't make a personal connection with you in this role. It's still there is still more realism that, as opposed to like superhero stuff, so maybe that's what attracts him to it. Alright, so uh before we get into spoilers, would you recommend to people to go see this film? Nah, I, I can't I don't think I can. I mean it is the best mathematics movie since two thousand and twelve's Safe with Jason Statham. <laughs> Mathematics and movies—they don't seem to—they don't seem to do well. All right, I would recommend this to action aficionados, Ben I, Affleck completionists. I think the stuff that surrounds it is not compelling enough to make me want to have other people watch it. It's better than Bourne, though. Better than Jason. Bourne. Okay. Uh, on our next show, we're going to be talking about the new Jack Reacher film. Oh, we which are. comes out. Well, it We've comes decided. out. It comes out this weekend, right? So we'll be covering it on the We Laugh. It'll Who do you think makes the better action star, Tom Cruise or Ben Affleck, as kind of a normal-looking guy who can kick everyone's butt? You know what would be? It, it would make more sense. Although he does have those short arms, but it might make more sense for Ben Affleck to be Jack Reacher. Yeah. Then, uh, at least that character, the way he's described in the books, and have uh, Tom Cruise be the accountant christian wolf christian wolf yeah although there's something like there's some distance with ben affleck than than you have with tom cruise tom cruise is more endearing there's something there's like a twinkle in his eye that ben affleck doesn't really have so i'm not sure exactly if that answers your question it would be interesting to see this guy jason Bourne, and jack reach are all in the same movie fighting Mm -hmm. each other and then, of course, Tom Hardy would have to be in there somewhere. Reprising his child 44 role? Throw him into the mix. I don't know. No, you'd have to be a new character. Locke or something like that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So he would talk him to death. That's what this movie was. Talky. Mm-hmm. Or they need to be uh, make a movie about... Uh, remember, we did Double Indemnity in Film Noir. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that that Barton Keyes character, he could be the actuary. Because that long speech that he gives about... Uh, you know, actuarial tables yeah. seems a lot like this accounting stuff that's going on so, in the movie where he's drawing on the glass and he's looking at all these folders. So that's what your sequel would be, the actuary? Yes. And if that works, then you can have like the auditor, yeah. all those type things. Right. Yeah, all that, the auditor, the the, the building inspector, <laughs> those kinds of things. Wow. So, yeah, those would be the sequels. A whole subgenre. <laughs> all right. All right.
So we need to spoil something, I guess, so I can get something off my chest. All right, I'll kick us off then. All right. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I don't want to spoil the party, so, so the voice that's in his head, the, the, the helper that he has, uh-huh. uh, I think her name is Jane. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Is it Jane? It doesn't matter. Because she's just a cipher in the in the movie uh how would they reconnect because he never goes back to that spot and why would he have anything to do with i mean i know she's the one that picks up the puzzle piece i think when i was a kid and i played with toys i bet you there were a lot of people that found missing pieces for me or may have pointed something out you know and that when i was at a doctor's office i don't think i'd reconnect with him 30 years later well, I mean, it's hinted that they sense. have some sort of history. And earlier on when the... I didn't get that. <clears throat> the Treasury agent goes through Christian Wolf's records and she sees that he's making these large donations to uh-huh. that fund. Yeah, but it seemingly it, was, it happened after he was an accountant, after he becomes an accountant. I don't know. But it seems like there was that huge gap in time mm-hmm. that they can't account for because it doesn't make any sense. It's just there as a as an... You know, ooh, here's a cute reveal on top of another cute reveal that was telegraphed. I mean, in an insane amount of ways, it was telegraphed that his brother was going to be this guy at the end. You say that. And I mean, I figured it out 25, 30 minutes before the end. Because I was thinking he possibly brained his brother with the thermos. And his brother now has mental disabilities. And that's why he's paying the money to the foundation to help with his brother's own care. No, but they already it was already revealed long before that that he was that he had escaped from prison. As soon as they said he had that escaped John from John Barenthal was when I saw John <coughs> Barenthal's character show up, I said, "Oh, that's his brother." Oh, okay. But I they they didn't make enough connect because the only time other time that you saw him as a child, you saw him a few times as a child in the flashback with the mm-hmm. where he's in the doctor's waiting room. And then there's one scene, a very obscure scene that's in the trailer where he goes and fights some kid in the rain. I can't. I don't even know what they're fighting about. They they took his hat from him or something. Broke his glasses. They broke his glasses, and then the brother chases off after someone. That's the last time you see him. Yeah, but in the trailer, you don't know that he's in the car with his brother. And I I, I should have caught on earlier that John Bernthal was his brother. When they made that reveal in the film, people in my audience gasp and okay. they started talking like, "Oh my god, their brother!" Da da da. And I thought it was like. So clear, even a couple minutes before that, as he's going through the building, and yeah. John Bernthal is looking at the screens, going, "Huh, right? Like I know this guy." And a couple whispers started in the theater. I'm like, "Really? You guys are just figuring this out?" Where did now? you see it? I saw it up here at uh, Clawson? York River Crossing. Huh? I saw it at the Paragon. We were pretty separated by chairs, but I don't think anybody I noticed anyone being surprised by anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some people were... All right. So they didn't see that one coming. Example of where it works. It's got 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, so half of people like it and half of them don't. It's also got 50% on the Laugh Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there were weird, weird, weird examples of motivations that didn't make any... Like, uh, I really didn't understand why he was so compelled to go after uh, the, the John... Not John Hurt. Who was the John Lithgow? Yeah, John Lithgow character. Except, I mean, I, he, I kind of understand because he had to protect. He wanted to protect the girl. I, I get that, but the there was no reason for John Lithgow to to call him in to 
to figure out what was going on with the books. Lithgow realized that he hadn't kept the books as clean as he thought they were when Anna Kendrick found, like, hmm, this doesn't add up. Yeah, but and why he co- knew when he took he wanted to take the company public that he would have to like open up his books and people would basically audit him. Yeah. And so he wanted the account to go through, give him a report so he knew what he needed to change to fix stuff so that there wouldn't be this trail anymore. I thought that he wanted him to pin it on the guy who eventually Oh, killed himself? Yeah. Maybe that was part of it too, but then he had to get rid of Anna Kendrick and but he, he didn't. Have, he didn't have to get. He's ready. a mad genius. He's John Lithgow, well, and that's and that's the joy of John Lithgow. He can seem like such a nice guy. Like you think of him like as your uncle or grandfather. He seems so nice, but then he can turn evil, and he's so believable in both those roles. But he's also so stupid because <laughs> he sat there and watched them fight each other for a good ten fifteen minutes when he could have just gotten a car and drove away. I'm an important man. <laughs> I save life. I love that. And then he shot him. People gasp at that in yeah, the Yeah, that was good. And me, I'm laughing. Yeah, that was a good shot. I mean, that was a good shot in the movie and a good shot by the character. Uh, I, I don't know. Motivations for characters were just either insanely telegraphed or just ridiculous. His whole backstory with the... What does he go into the Green Berets or something? And Yeah, he's in the military somehow. But then his dad gets in a fight and they get he gets thrown in Leavenworth and he meets and up And I'm not real somebody. sure why they were throwing him out. This is only for families... Wait, don't d- no one else knows this is the woman's yeah of course ex husband. Okay, he showed up. Let him pay his respects. Right. I mean, you're not going to do this right in front of the coffin, and then say, "Hey, do you mind leaving now?" You know, we gave you your time. I mean, I'm sure fights happen in funerals all the time. Apparently, they but do. It just seemed like a very thin reason for him to get thrown in jail for what I don't know, seven years, ten years however long it takes him to hook up with uh, transparent over there and then what was his whole thing he was uh he cooked the books for the mob yeah so and so what, they want they were afraid so, he was getting old and he would rat him out so they wanted to kill him yeah but why does he train but so then he went into like witness protective services which was apparently just here we'll put you in prison right and put you in, have you room with the psychotic the military prison guy? Too, it was like prison, like in a bathroom, a bathroom stall prison. It reminded me of Oz. I've never seen the Oz. TV show. Uh, yeah, that stuff got a little too fancy, cute. All right, get your feet off the furniture. So you're willing to like give it? <laughs> you're willing to give it a pass? All that stuff a pass? Yeah, I, I just I, I, know, I enjoyed it as seem... it was going, and at least they offered up explanations. Like, and they could have just kept you thinking, who's going to be that woman? Who he keeps calling. Who is that? All right. How did he get get, hooked up with her? Well, they gave us an explanation. I mean, I don't think it left any loose ends. No, it didn't leave. It explained everything. It's just whether or not you want to buy into what it explained. So, well, I just think the movie arrives at the wrong answer. All right. So, the movie about math, you know, math teachers want you to show your your work. work. (laughs) I don't think they were able to show their work. I think that they came up with the answer. And for you, it was right. And for me, it was wrong. All right. I'm not surprised you didn't like this film. I walked out and went, oh, good thing I saw this one by myself. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Right. So, I have no quote today. No. No <laughs> quote. No quote. Do you have a quote? No, I have no quote. Uh, my last thought is just, I like that Batman's brother is the Punisher. Oh, he was pretty good. I like yeah. John Barenthal. Yeah. I like character. Him. But I, Walking like Dead, me and Earl yeah. and the Dying Girl. Sicario. And then, 
Sicario he was great in, and then season two of Daredevil apparently was so good that now they're going to do a Punisher TV show. Oh, I thought that they had already planned that. After oh, the success not. of season two All of Daredevil, right. but that's probably still two years away. Season three Daredevil, are they doing that? Yeah, but that's a ways away too. Yeah. I got a, I got a Netflix offering for you. Ooh. Well, Amazon Prime. <laughs> Actually, I have two. One <laughs> Amazon, one Netflix. This is coming up in our next show. That would be show number 189. So for Mr. Two Frames over there. Been a pleasure. I'm the L Trade There be dragons. Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on Facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show. All right, it's the good stuff. Yeah. Welcome to the good stuff. Yeah. Over there is Mr. Ryan Bull. Howdy. I'm Richard Luskin. We're your hosts. This is episode 190. No. (laughs) (laughs) If you're confident, though, you're always... (laughs) Where are those two lost left? left? What is it? 188. (laughs) All right, let's start again. Damn, I was so impressed with you. Because normally that's always one of your questions. <laughs> I was going to ask. I what give number you, is I was this? Give you the satisfaction. <laughs>